You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. Sometimes I just like to strike somebody's curiosity or maybe speak for someone that's not sitting at our desk, you know, in particular. And, uh, and I'll kind of be their voice, not saying that's what I believe, but just being their voice to further the conversation or to get a little more in depth. And, uh, and then people online are so quick to judge you like, Oh, this guy, I see where this guy, you know, he's coming from this side. I hate what he's saying. He doesn't know what it's like to be a female. He doesn't know what it's like to be gay. He doesn't know what it's like to be black. And I don't, I don't know any of those things. Right. And, uh, you know, you get hammered with these labels nowadays, which is something that I really dislike. I, I like this. This is a conversation, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're talking, we're getting to know each other. This isn't a conversation. You're not having any conversation in 140 characters. Welcome back to another episode of 2020. If you haven't gone to subscribe or like yet, please do go visit 2020-d.com. Go to your favorite podcast platform, YouTube, doesn't matter. Just go hit like and subscribe so that you can check out all the episodes we've done with some of the amazing guests we've had on. But once again, I'm Siobhan Cronin here with Ben and Corey. How are you guys doing? Wonderful. Old Kinderhook. <laughs> Whatever that means. It means okay. <laughs> all right. So back for part two, we have our fantastic guest from earlier in the week, Jeff Schroeder, who you may have seen or heard of from Big Brother or Around the World for free. Getting a little deeper in this episode, if you haven't listened to part one, definitely go check it out too. Yeah, what's cool is we, uh, he's a professional interviewer, so we got, we got free tips in this episode. <laughs> so. and, and got to learn a little bit about like the Midwest mentality and how completely different it is from Hollywood and all that, and the production and what it takes to put on you know, shows and, and what it takes to really be in television, which is crazy because he did it at such, he does it at such a large level that it's kind of insane. So. Definitely lots of learning. And he's literally a world traveler. Yeah. Yeah. So check it out. Jeff Schroeder, part two. All right, ladies and gentlemen, glad that you stuck around for part two this week. 2020. I'm Siobhan Cronin, and I'm here with my cohorts, as we have deemed each other, (laughs) Benny Goodman. (laughs) What's going on, Siobhan? <laughs> That's the most excited you've sounded for an introduction I gave you. I'm actually really know. excited to hear our guest interview you, but we'll get we'll get to that. Seemed, All right. Seemed a bit contrived to me. I don't know. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> well, and Mark Corey Burnett's Peza, sitting in the corner just looking, looking <laughs> at us. Going, Cheers. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and of course, part two with our fabulous guest, Jeff Schroeder. Thank you so much for sticking around with us. Thanks for hanging Pays out. The, the bass player. And Corey Pays. No, well, I, I tried no to introduce Corey, but you, you kept talking, which is why you've forgotten everything that you've heard about me because you're too busy talking. <laughs> oh, damn. Just kidding. Oh, yeah. It's shit, all right. Shit gets wild in the second episode. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, now that the gloves are off, let's put <laughs> Jeff... I, I get feistier in the second episode because well, I'm usually one glass of wine in, so here we go. Admittedly, Jeff had, had to work to get around to the, the globe in the show that I met him on around the world for free, and it, he never like hooked me up other than like a few like you know high fives and he did get me portillos i think once when i was in chicago so like i mean i appreciate that but i would like now that he's he's a total professional to watch him interview the only thing we have going for this show which is siobhan and actually probably the production value because Corey behind the scenes as jeff alluded to on our previous episode you should listen to you should know how like fluid it actually sounds when we do this because when we actually do it it's terrible. <laughs> I don't know that it's that terrible. Corey just tightens it up a bit. I don't touch a thing. He's like the key, he's like the 2020 Kegel muscle. <laughs> so Jeff, would you be so kind as to show us what like a true blue professional does when they want to interview someone for like a show? Like, you know, let's say um Or you can you can just talk about what it's like Daily to interview. Black it doesn't have to be Slide. me. Just yeah. He's on well, so see, many shows I had to write them down. As opposed to you, Benny, like getting it all tight and sharp. I like, I love the behind the scenes aspect of things, right? I like it raw. I like it loose. I, I grew up, well, not grew up, but I, in this business, I grew up doing all live. The show I did for CBS was live, uh, the after show for CBS.com. The show I'm currently on right now is all live. And I love that. I don't, I feel more comfortable when I'm live as opposed to like where I have, where, where I could get many takes at it, right? So mm-hmm. even if I'm just mm-hmm. introducing something like, guys, stick around, we're gonna be back with Benny Goodman. I'm like, you know what, I could do that better. Let me do yeah, it again. Yeah. And, I, and I'll keep doing it because I wanna make it sound perfect. By right. being live, you let that go and all that's gone. You're like, it is what it is. Yeah, Sorry, Benny, you got, a, you got a shitty intro. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're used to it. <laughs> and so I like, I like that part of just being raw and real. And part of that rolls over into how I host or if I'm interviewing somebody, just curiosity, you know, it's like I would do my research, Siobhan, if I knew more about you. I got to know you a little bit in the, in sure, the yeah, of course. episode, but I think curiosity is the best way to go. So many of these questions nowadays, you know, use an exact any daytime show or late night talk show. It's so scripted, right? Their yeah. agents and publicists has to talk to this person's agent and publicists. And it's like what you want to. Pro- it's like. That's not real. Everything's you know? a setup. That's all being scripted. That's all yeah. being pushed. And nobody's talking about what's really going on in their lives. And sometimes the best interviews are just like, you know what, man? I like Scrabble. Like, man, I didn't know Dave Matthews like Scrabble. I just, you grab that. as you said, you're playing violin. But it's like sometimes the dumbest things are just interesting to someone as opposed to what their job is, right? As a Dave Matthews playing music. So that, I would, that's amazing. Yeah. Go ahead. So go would, on. Sorry. No, what I was saying is like, I would ask you because you're very proud of your music. That's what you do. That's what you're known for, I would assume. But I'd also want to know about you, Siobhan, what you do in real life, right? Like, yeah. do you like gardening? Do you, I mean, it sounds silly, and that's the part Benny could edit out, but getting to know you more as a Corey. person, right? <laughs> no, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's funny that you say that because that's a lot of the reason, well, one of the many reasons we started this podcast too, is even for me at playing in a rock band, for example, we go to press interviews, you know, and it's always the same, you know, people that either work for a radio or they're working for some press magazine. It's a lot of the same questions, the stuff that's scripted that they think people want to hear about, but you rarely hear musicians or actors or TV personalities interviewed by other people that are in on that side of the industry. You know, so we try to take a somewhat different perspective in the way we talk to people and ask the stuff that's like 
we want to know about, you know, as people that are kind of in the same world. So that I think that's a totally awesome tip is, yeah, just to, to be curious and to try and ask about stuff that you might not think is important, you know, because that's what your average person is going to relate to. Yeah, absolutely. And you get to know them on a personal level, right? They're For not sure. just, they're not just the guy who played a superhero. They're a guy because everyone that's another thing, like being in this business. Nobody. I mean, there are awesome people in this business. There are very talented people in this business. I'm not one of them, so I have to grasp at straws. But everyone's just a person, right? Everyone. You're just a guy. You're just a girl. You're just you. People might put you on a pedestal on social media, and you might. Is this, the, is this, is this from like Pretty Woman? Like I'm just a girl. You're putting <laughs> me on a pedestal, Mister Gear. See, like, she made it too. <laughs> But that's, important. that's an important perspective that you have. There are some people that lose that perspective, I think, you know, and I think the people that are the most authentic, even when you interview them, are the people that realize you are just a guy, you are just a girl, you're a human, you know, and that's the, you have to be interested in that as a, as a subject, not just necessarily their accolades or what they do or, you know, objective experiences, you know. And I think if you're doing the interview, if you have that perspective, it, that might be, you know, that might not be the best advice. It works for me. If you're interviewing Madonna, let's just say, I, I've never interviewed Madonna, but if you look at Madonna's like, hey, that was so obscure that I pulled that one out. But anyways, <laughs> uh, if you're looking at her as not like, oh my God, this is Madonna, the icon who's been around forever and she's done all these things, as opposed to this Madonna, like she cries at silly things. She has normal emotions, just like everybody else. I think if you're interviewing them on a personal level, I think it goes a lot deeper than just like oh my god madonna i love you you're the best tell me what how awesome it was to do this it's like it's, all right stop like kissing their ass all that, that chris farley it's sketch been, on like snl like the, the uh best. hey you you remember you remember when uh <laughs> you did that it was like paul mccartney <laughs> it was, the best. I mean, that was john yeah. really dead yeah. no, no, did you really die did you really die i heard that you died Rest in peace, Chris Farley. Oh, yeah. That guy was the best. I will that tell you, I watched that live, and I, I literally said to my friend, like, even, like, at, like 11 or whatever. You watched was, Saturday Night Live live? Yeah. But I'm saying I watched that one as it <laughs> okay. was happening, okay. and I remember thinking to myself that, like, he's going to die. And, like, I, I believe that he actually had ventilators um on the side of the stage because, like, he literally was, like, so physical, but, like, he was doing speed balls weighed like 700 pounds so but that's kind of why it was awesome and it's also what killed him because everyone said you you can't have a skinny like chris farley like who's who wants to see skinny farley so of course obviously (laughs) gave him image problems and then his his idols were you know john candy john belushi Mm -hmm. those were his idols you know so they died young too so he kind of was like destined to go down that path you know i'm a a legend farley fan Legend. Just, Legend. I, I don't want to get too far off topic because I want to hear more with the interview. But, but just because of your perspective, and since we're talking about it, um, have you seen being in television uh, some of the pressures that some people are put under to behave or in a certain way or, or live a certain lifestyle for the camera for the show? Yeah, I mean, I can't speak like on other people because I don't. I can only no, no, no names. I'm talking. I'm talking generally. You know. I mean, yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure for a lot of people to to put on some sort of persona, right? And I think owning your persona, I've done bad things. I've said bad things. I've said, you know, stupid things that I wish I didn't say. But I think owning that, like I said, growing from that, even though if social media doesn't accept that or people don't accept that, you accept that in your heart, right? And that wasn't me. That was 10 years ago. That was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Whatever it may be, 
if you had a feeling about that and you could look yourself was that what you were there, saying michael jordan sucks was that that was a lie right never never i thought you said jordan sucks don't benny don't even put and that, that up. the bears like literally have nothing good going for them and never have and that you've never been to chicago or wrigleyville if you have not watched the cubs lose horribly See, while drinking, while drinking an old style, by the way, you don't appreciate the Cubs winning the World Series without growing up and them losing every single day, right? So then, when they won, well, they're like the real Red Sox story. Like the Red Sox said that for so long, but the Cubs literally are like what the Red Sox lamented to be in two thousand three. You, you know what I mean? But the old style, and if you go to Wrigleyville, I will say that if you see the White Sox play the Cubs. Like, we talk about Boston versus New York, like the Yankees versus the Sox, but the White Sox versus the Cubs, you see people come out, like, there are things when you're walking down the streets in Wrigleyville, specifically at Wrigley, uh, at Wrigley State at Field, because it's the most historic fucking place, like, on the goddamn planet. It's, like, literally our Dome of the Rock in the United States is in Wrigleyville, Illinois. And when you see these people walk down the street, it's like the running of the Bulls. It's fucking insane. There is an insanity that goes down in Chicago like you don't see anywhere else. Jeff, can it, you speak to that, being an I, athlete from Chicago? Well, I mean, just being a Chicago – I think Boston and Chicago are very similar, right, as far as, like, growing up people and also their how they love their sports teams, right? And look at the Red Sox and Cubs you just mentioned. We Both of us couldn't win it forever, right, and we both had our day – but it, we, we are such diehard sports fans. You guys got spoiled with the Patriots. We got spoiled with the Bulls, you know? So we all love our, our sports, our cities, our food, where we grew up. We're very proud of our city. So I think it's ethnocentric, as they say in anthropology. Yeah, you, you, you're good with the big words. I dumb it down for, for an audience <laughs> for me. <laughs> so, okay, we should, we should continue on with the interview about Siobhan because I haven't learned that much about her yet. No, oh, he was saying that normally he would do more research. So that, but that's part but of his can, style. Because he's he got firsthand data right now, which is you. Well, I was just saying how I would do it, right? Like how, and then I could interview her if you want. But I was just saying how you know getting comfortable with interviewing people. My best interviews ever, like when I'm happy about my interview, it's because that person's cool and they're good. It's not because I interviewed them. Mm-hmm. Well, right. Well, she's it's, cool and good, so try yeah, her out. My, that's a good interview. It's not my skills that make it work. It's the person on the other end, like working with you, bouncing. Well, someone's got to coax, coax it out. <laughs> you got to, co- you got to coax out the fun. You know what I mean? Like, so you yeah, might you say that was a great interview, but like what you said that led them down whatever mine shaft you've taken them down, right. or whatever You're- layer of inception. Because John Garabedian talks about it. Oh, Betty, you let them talk for like ninety percent of the time, and you just ask them interesting questions. Yeah, but that could be difficult. <laughs> You're right. Silence. I mean, what what happens if you get somebody that is more reserved, or they're tending to give you shorter answers? Because I, you know, we do interviews often with people that, like, for example, I've never met. And I always have that little bit of anxiety that's like, well, what if this person really doesn't talk a lot? And it's like, you know, you have to really draw stuff out of them. I think that's hard. So what do you do in situations like that if you get somebody that's, you know, that it doesn't open up easily? Well, that's when you have that's when curiosity just comes in. Right. Or improvisation. The two biggest aspects for me, I used to interview the people going on Big Brother. Right. So they're just average people going on to the show. They don't know what they're they don't know what to expect. Right. So they're not necessarily. No, they don't know how to do an interview, right? Neither did I. I didn't know how to do that. As opposed to now where I interview celebrities, 
they know the game. There's no dead air. They know to bounce it back. It, it's so easy to do it with mm -hmm. celebrities. But when I'm interviewing regular people that are going on a show and maybe they'll obviously you see them the first day do that interview on camera in Big Brother, like if you're watching the show, they're kind of like a deer in the headlights. Yeah. After two weeks, three weeks, a month, they're pros, right? They're the producers are asking them questions. They're bouncing it back and they, you know, you learn the process. So before they go on, sometimes it's pulling teeth, right? You're like, so what are you going to expect in there? They're like, it's going to be hard. That's when you got to jump in. You can't just leave it. You're like, then you have to, how, like hardware, where did you come from? What's hard to you? You came from here. Oh, you grew up on a farm. How would you oppose milking a cow to how you're going to use that into the house? I don't know. You just have to start brainstorming and being curious and asking sometimes dumb questions, right? We're good at that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'm good at it, but just like <laughs> what I've learned over the years and like, it is, you do notice someone who's been on camera for 30 years and making movies and you interview them. And if they're cool, hey, take your time. We'll do whatever. We're ready for the shot. You know before the interview starts, oh, this is going to be amazing, right? They're already cool. And sometimes you know like, hey, how long is this going to take? I got a meeting at five. So, and then you're like, well, this is going to suck. Yeah. And then you know like what's going to be good before you even start. Yeah. And, and well, like, what next you season on the House of Cards. Oh, sorry, Mr. Spacey. Oh, we don't talk about that guy anymore, huh? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Oh, so this is what Ben does. Something. We call that going off the rails. And Ben's been pretty good the last few episodes, but he's 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 coming back with a vengeance tonight. Yeah, he's he's hitting his joint a lot right now. So I just feel like it's going to start to get even worse as I we like go it. Along. See, the randomness is... <laughs> That, you can't script that, right? Yeah. It's like, well, that's the why family guy around. Bostonian in me. Is to like literally just be like out of nowhere with like some fucking like Transformers from the 80s reference. You know, like that's that's just how I am. And, and if you don't like follow along with my crazy logic, then good. Oh my I God. love it, man. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. What are some experiences you've had um, that have made you a better interviewer or host? Like, do you feel like traveling has helped you talk to people more easily or you know, just doing it? Like, what are maybe some things that you can, like, let's say somebody is interested in be, you know, doing what you do. What are some of the things that helped you be good at what you are doing? Finding a commonality with somebody, right? That's the for, the biggest thing, because then it's easy. So, like, if someone came on and they played sports, and I knew they played sports, or they played football in particular, we have that commonality. That's always a fallback. If the interview's not going good, I can always fall back to that. I think traveling was my fallback. Everyone has a story of where they're from or maybe where their ancestors are from. And I've been lucky enough to travel around the world with that show. And I have a story for like almost not everything. Right. But in general, like if you from Europe, I have European stories. If you're from Southeast Asia or Eastern, I have stories that I did a show with Alex, another thing called missions in action where I did a show in Ethiopia and I was all in Africa down, you know, so I have, different stories from traveling that is always a commonality that I could reach pretty much anybody, you know, and we could fall back to those stories. So traveling for me, I think would be my fallback in case I got stuck anywhere. Yeah. That's amazing. I, somebody, I, I think it was a friend of mine that posted the other day that like 30% or less of Americans have a passport. And I don't know if that's true, but that's like fascinating to me that 70% of the population Mine's has never expired. left the country. What? Mine literally expired this last year. Okay, well, let's say it. excluding people that theirs expired. But yeah, that that was mind blowing to me that that amount of the population has no intention of leaving or 
doesn't, you know, travel, right? Like, I think you're totally right. Like, it's so much easier to relate to different people and stories when you've been. How many people do you think are in Circleville, actually? Like, what what percentage do you think of those people actually? Oh, like negative percentage, literally, and they're hardly leaving the town. I mean, but that's (laughs) a thing. I mean, it's, we live in such a large country, you know, when you go abroad, you realize, like, in Europe, everything is much closer than it is here. Do they look at you you like aliens in, like, the the food market? Like, they're like, oh my God, that's the girl that does things. Because you're like the only one to explain to Jeff, like she literally her her husband has like a a farm, but the farm is literally like a plantation like and by a plantation, I mean, like square miles of of like uh, Ohio. Yeah. So, okay. So my, my husband and I met in the band that I play in, which is called Starset. So he's a guitar player. I play violin, but he I'm originally from Michigan and he's from Brock is his name. And he is from this town in Ohio called Circleville, which is like 45 minutes south of Columbus. And it's just basically really, really small town like Midwestern America. But he grew up on like in a farming family. So big like corn and soybean farm. But it is I mean, Columbus is a big metropolitan area. So you go into the city and, you know, you see people of different religions, ethnicities, backgrounds, a lot of college students. And then literally 30 minutes south, it's people that like have no concept of others. The level you know? of egocentrism is is heavy. Yeah. No, and it, and it's wild. It's like it I haven't spent so much time in this small of a place, you know, prior to meeting him. You know, so it's so interesting to me that like yeah, you can be so close to a big city and, you know, it's a very it's a small town mentality. Yeah, that's a lot of people that have been there here for little, generations are, are there they don't leave. pink houses. No, I mean, it's, it's old. It's, you know, from the eight, a lot of the houses are old, 1800s, 1900s. And, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity. Or melons. <laughs> I don't even know how we got into this. Yeah. The little pink houses. Houses. I, also, I also want to point out, I don't think it's egocentrism that you find in small towns. It's more like um, the the village vibe. It's it's the, like, this is my this is my village. Like the movie, you know? the village? Yeah. yeah, no, it's just more like this is these are my people. This is my area. Like. It's, 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 yeah, just less concern with the outside world. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's just different. You know, I'm I'm a city person. I like traveling. I like meeting people that speak different languages. I like art. You know, history, music, whatever. And some people they just want a simple life. It's just it's different for me. But no, no, no. I think you guys bring up a good point. I think that's kind of what's going wrong with America right now. You said you mentioned seventy percent of America doesn't have passports. I think a lot of that has to do with econo- like maybe financially they can't afford to travel. Sure. They wanted to. But like you said, some people just don't want to, right? They're they're happy knowing they're 10, 20, 30, whoever's in that small town and whatever mindset that they have about the world, they have like-mindedness with those people, whether they sit at the bar or go to the restaurants. So they're not seeing life through someone else's eyes, through a different perspective. I think that's what travel gives you, right? If you go to a new city, you meet new cultures. If you go to New York City, it's a melting pot. Chicago, Boston, they're melting pots. If you go outside the country, even better. Now you're in someone else's land, their territory. You have to respect their cultures, their wishes, how they see things. So if you get all these different perspectives and all these different views, you might be able to understand how someone who's different than you culturally, um, ethnically, sexually, you, you have a better perspective. It doesn't mean you're walking in their shoes necessarily, but you have a better perspective because you've seen different things, right? A lot of people don't know what they don't know. So I was just um, going to say the exact same that's, thing. That's what it, that's what it comes down thing. to is Me if too. you only ex- <laughs> high five. No, literally, um, I was like I was about to say that. Yeah, I'm but that's glad that's, you said that's, it. that's that's the way I look at it. Is is it, it, it? You know, it sounds so cliche, but it is it's perspective. And the smaller your perspective, the you know you don't have you don't know what you're missing. I travel, 
I'd say like a normal amount for like, you know, like a, a middle-class person. Like I do the trips I go, I get out of the, I don't travel the world. Uh, I would love to at some point, uh, but I definitely have friends and, and know people that, that have never really gone beyond the new England area, which is a beautiful area. You know, I have friends that went away to college and came back and then moved out all across the country. And it's very interesting to see the transition from the people that you grew up with and you all had this bubble in your small town or just regular town, just your high school. And then the people that went away and, and, you know, with social media, you can watch other people's journeys, which is kind of cool. You know, seeing people that are becoming successful in fields that you like, I've seen that dude do some dumb shit, but good for him. (laughs) He's, he is excelling at you know, out there on that, in that side of the country. So it's very interesting. I think it is, it's, you don't know what you don't know. And the more you know that you don't know something, the better you'll be. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm not trying to knock people who don't like travel. I just, that's what worked for me, and that's what's gave me a better perspective. But now with the internet, like you said, I mean, there's so many amazing documentaries just on Netflix alone. If you have a Netflix account, you could almost travel the world and see the different cultures because they really go watch Anthony Bourdain's show. I mean, that guy was yeah. my hero, right? You learn so much about different cultures, people, how life in their world works, what they respect. And it gives you a different perspective. So if you can't afford to travel, you could start there for sure. And then, you know, you know, have an appreciation for other people like that. Just America doesn't, I think almost, you know, now my mind's kind of like getting weird too. I feel like Benny, but the bigger (laughs) celebrity you are, take it back like to celebrities, the smaller your world gets, right? So the bigger you are, and then you just have people around you yesing you yes 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 you're the best you're the best you're the best and you lose that perspective and you yeah you know like a justin bieber who i am i love justin bieber but he lost that perspective at a young age and look at him now he's he's learned from his mistakes he came back to there i don't know how i got to justin bieber from traveling <laughs> but uh Jeff, can i ask you can i, I ask you a question you, it, it's, it's crazy if we were going to synthesize it would it be fair to say that the more you learn the more you realize how much you don't know Yes. Yeah. But what's interesting too is what I think what you're really referring to is curiosity. And what what I'm interested in is how how does someone become curious? You know, obviously some people might be more naturally Acid. curious. <laughs> no, but that, this is Ask something that I noticed. He'll tell you to eat some fucking no, but mushrooms. Let me tell bro. you, th- this is what's interesting to me. So I grew up, you know, I grew up in a different type of, t- you know, a suburban Detroit, but it, a lot of highly educated people. So part of my upbringing was being curious. You know, you want to go to a good school. You want to learn a second language. You want to learn a musical instrument. And then I come to a town like this where there isn't that that ethos of curiosity, you know, where most people just aren't super interested. And, and I always wonder, like, do they what know is it what a, the word ethos is? Probably in not. But, but you know what? And I'm not trying to vilify is anybody that at all. No, but what I'm trying to say is I'm always wondering where that curiosity comes from, you know. So maybe you can answer this question. Like, were you always a curious person that wanted to learn about different cultures and travel? Was it something that your parents you know, instilled in you? Is it something you got from school? Like, where did, where do you think that started for you? Um, my, that's a good question. My, my mom was born in Italy. So my family came from that. My mom's side came from Europe, you know, I'm first generation, right? Mm -hmm. My dad's family's from Germany, but they were here for a while. So my grandmother on my dad's side traveled the world. I mean, she passed away. She lived a long, great life. She lived till she was 92. And uh, she had pictures all over her wall of Egypt, which is still on my bucket list. I've never gone to. I mean, everywhere. Greece, 
every single place, every corner when she retired, she just traveled all over the world. And I saw these pictures and I was fascinated with the Parthenons, with, with the Coliseum, with the pyramid. She's riding a camel. Like I was like, that's my gig list from last week. Oh my gosh. Stop. <laughs> I mean, but if you're lucky enough to see all those places, that's amazing. Right. Cause it's almost like you're, when you stand outside the Coliseum and I don't want to get too deep and I don't know if you've been there or not. Yeah. It's almost like standing next to the ocean, right? You're, you're all these small problems and these problems people have online and they're non-existent. You're so insignificant into the scheme of things and into this world. Like how did those, how did that get built? Why is this ocean here? When you start thinking like that, like you're not, you're insignificant and this world's much bigger than you and you just worry about yourself. I think that's where the appreciation for life comes in and you could kind of tune out some of the negativity, even though I struggle with that too. I struggle with the negativity, but having these conversations with other people that appreciate things like that or see things like that, it, it, it helps, right? In the scheme of things and in the appreciation because you have to appreciate life, right? You have to have empathy. You have to appreciate life. You have to remember where you came from. You got to stay grounded. All these rules that I gave myself is kind of how I go forward. Yeah, that's that's super interesting because I can relate. My my mom is uh, an immigrant from Scotland, so I'm first generation American too. And my dad's side was uh, from Italy, but he was born in America. And I think, yeah, maybe that's fundamentally one of the differences too, is if you're immediately connected to a parent that comes from a different place, you know, because you're just, you have that instilled in you of like, this isn't the only way to live. Like we also have experiences from this other country that's kind of like instilled in you as a kid. So maybe that's what it is. Yeah, for sure. I think it's got to come from somewhere, right? That's why it's like so awesome. All these documentaries that you might not even know, especially if you are from that smaller town and you don't know, just watching some of these documentaries, you might have a passion that none of your friends have. And you're like, Oh my God, I love this guy. Jeremy Wade, he catches these giant fish and all of a sudden, you know, you're on this fishing expedition, but you've never experienced that because all your friends want to do is play soccer over here, whatever it might be. Right. So you right. got, I wish I was more curious at a younger age about some of this. So I could have started my career a little earlier, but you know, like anybody else, I get folk, I get caught up with football. You run around with your friends. You kind of don't vision the world like that. And then you grow up and you get outside that bubble and you start saying, man, there's so much more to life than what I was doing before. Yeah. Benny, are you interested in my stories? <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> I'm practicing. That's what someone it says when they weren't the listening. <laughs> but they no, have no. to make it seem like they were listening. No, 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 no. So one thing that you say often, Siobhan, I've been told is actually what people say when they're not listening. Because one of my, one of my friends who used to order uh, escorts, <laughs> realized when he was in Miami and downtown that one of the the gentlemen that he had ordered um, didn't listen to anything he was saying ever because he would just say, "Oh, that's so fascinating, that's so fascinating," because it would just continue okay. the it would continue the conversation because he'd be like, "Oh, really?" and he'd act just like surprised and be like, "That's so fascinating." And but that, but you're not listening if you say that and then you don't follow up with a commentary on what the person just said. Then yeah, you're not listening. So well, no, no, that's but good he to know, finally but... called him out like thousands of dollars in like like fifteen <laughs> restaurants, and he's like, he's like, what did I just say? He's like, that's so fascinating. He's like, what was oh, he paying shit. him for? Well, that, <laughs> dude, listen, I'm not trying here to psychoanalyze rich people buying people on the open market to do sexual Jeff, favors. Jeff, remember I mentioned like going off the rails, like. 
I I yeah. rather listen to Benny. I think this is much more fascinating than my. That makes that makes happy. one of us. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people online that would disagree. <laughs> but that's that's a remarkable. I mean, to go back, it's a remarkable thing about our country in particular, right? Is it's so huge, and you can be in an area that's like an hour away from a major city, and there's like almost no interaction, or you can be in the middle of the country and have never experienced what it's like to be on the coast because it's so far, and it's hard to blame people because you know it's expensive to travel you know, let alone going to Europe. If you live in Omaha, Nebraska, it's going to cost you a lot of money to fly to New York or to LA or, you know, even to Chicago, right? Like there's, there's costs involved and it's not, you know, we're not necessarily given that privilege as, as, you know, people here to have that luxury of traveling easily and for cheap. You know, that's the, I would say that's the number one reason why people don't do that is because of finances. Sure. But you were, you're right to say that you can, you can research other places. You can look into other cultures. You can watch documentaries. You can, there's, there's resources available. Oh, of course. Yeah. The question is just how does, how do you spark that curiosity in people? You know, because if it's there, if it's so easy, why, why not, why aren't people doing more of it? You know, if COVID has not done anything, it has totally exacerbated the need for media of all sorts whether it's good, bad, like there's, I've seen more document, uh, doc, uh, documentaries aggregated and old movies and things that like probably didn't matter for such a long period of time, but because everyone is home. Like if you go on a Netflix and you see like whatever's like number three this week and it doesn't matter what we, we actually are in, like there's lots of movies that are literally terrible. Like you'll get like 25 or like a, a, a whole television series. You're like, how is this number three? And it's just because people are being suggested to it's- and they're just being told and force fed what to believe. So the fact is if there is actually something interesting, the, like, you know, that's how people are finding out now is because they're so fucking bored that they're like, you know what? I do want to know about the Menendez brothers. I do <laughs> want to know what's going on uh, with the Titanic. Like, you know what? I agree uh, that we should definitely figure out all the different like undiscovered cities below Israel. If you get like, to like page three, four, five of like the Netflix documentaries or Amazon Prime, doc- like, shit gets real weird real fast. <laughs> yeah. Your what's your favorite one, Corey? I don't know. We're always Give like skimming through them. I, I I usually pop them on for the preview and then you see it. It's like clearly shot by like a high school student. And it's talking no, you about know what some... I watch? Not to interrupt you, Corey, but what's no. really good that's kind of on topic here that I think it's new on Netflix. It's called Hillbilly Elegy and it's based on a book. No, it's it's good. I know it sounds bad, but it's, a, it's about Is a small town guy who goes to Yale Law and the struggle he has with like pulling himself out of the mentality of like, you know, kind of deranged. I don't want to say all small small towns are, you know, well, Guilty Jeff still this, talks but... like he's straight up from downtown Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's it's a good movie. He worked it's at all... Portillo's for so long, he just can't shake it. Oh man, that's one. Jo- if I worked at Portillo's, I would never leave. I would have stayed. <laughs> You'd be way fatter. I would have stayed there. Why don't you talk a little bit about some of the things that you're doing now? We talked, you know, in last part one, a lot of your history of getting involved in TV and your upbringing and stuff. And obviously, we've gone on a lot of side rails here, but. Maybe talk about some of the projects you're doing now and how that's going in this year. Well, like I said, I'm still, um, I work every day on a show called Daily Blast Live, which I have to deal with current events all the time. And uh, unfortunately, politics is what everyone is talking about nowadays. So I Especially, love what oh I, my God, yeah. I love what I do, right? I love the people I work with. You know, we're going into our fourth season and I've learned so much just from the people I worked with, let alone the people behind the camera, like I mentioned in the previous podcast. But uh so I do that and I love it, but I think, you know, to get into some of the struggles, right, is the the politics and the divisiveness of people just 
online and, and things like that in, in our country. Like we're so at on, it's like everyone is on a team now, right? It's like mm-hmm. you have to be on a team. And if your team, if you don't agree with what their team is saying, a hundred percent, you're the enemy. Right. So that's been uh in, I don't know, this is just my take on it, but it's, it, that's been a struggle for me and what I'm doing currently. So again, it's, it, it goes down to perspective. It's not just all, you know, oh, this guy's on TV. He's got a great life. It's not like that. You know, I take, sometimes I take it home with me. If we have a tough day emotionally at work, if someone has passed away or one of my coworkers is going through something, I absorb that, right? Or if the country is in such disarray, I take that home with me, right? So that's a struggle that I kind of deal with currently. I love what I do. I'm very blessed with my job and what I do. But uh, talking about politics every day is, is something I don't enjoy. Do you ever feel like you you took the wrong pill, like Morpheus, and that like you're on an acid trip and that you're literally peaking at the worst time because you have to talk about this shit? Because I feel like what's going on right now in this world, what you have to do as a journalist, what you have to do talking to these people is literally tantamount to like if uh, taking fucking hallucinogenic drugs. Because I would have never, if, if you went to Netflix three years ago, right, and said, all the things that are going on, right? Like we have this, you see all these signs, like this is how people are acting. This is what's going on. This is what kids are suffering like at home, not going to school. Like all these things that have now happened because of this, people would go, that's not even realistic enough to put on Netflix. So I, like, I feel like you must wake up because I don't even, listen, we were talking to our friend Drew Ann Rosenberg the other day and it was the day all the shit in the Capitol went down. And I had not even seen the news. And I'm like, I don't want to know because it, it emotionally hurts me as well. And I can only imagine the fact that you have to have your face stuck in it, that it's got to be emotionally abrasive. You know, yeah. when you're supposed to be talking about Mark McGrath's hairstyle and <laughs> Justin Bieber. Yeah, I could talk about the Biebs all day. I love that. <laughs> I, uh, but uh, yeah, it is, man. It, it's it's crazy, right? Benny, like you said, if three years ago, if someone wrote this script, you wouldn't believe it. You'd be like, that, that would never happen, right? And so that's tough. And sometimes I just like to strike somebody's curiosity or maybe speak for someone that's not sitting at our desk, you know, in particular. And, uh, and I'll kind of be their voice. Not saying that's what I believe, but just being their voice to further the conversation or to get a little more in depth. And, uh, and then people online are so quick to judge you like, Oh, this guy, I see where this guy, you know, he's coming from this side. I hate what he's saying. He doesn't know what it's like to be a female. He doesn't know what it's like to be gay. He doesn't know what it's like to be black. And I don't, I don't know any of those things. Right. And, uh, you know, you get hammered with these labels nowadays, which is something that I really dislike. I, I like this, this is a conversation, right? We're, we're talking, we're getting to know each other. This isn't a conversation. You're not having any conversation in 140 characters. And that's where our right. country is going. And it's terrible. You need to talk things out, right? So when I have two minutes to talk about something on, hey, tell me how you feel about Trump and black America. And it's my turn to talk. It's like, <laughs> holy, oh, oh my pressure. God. What, do I, what am I supposed to say here? I would just well, be like, I can't. <laughs> you, know, you want to know, know the one thing I extrapolated from this entire like last month was that Twitter controls everything. Because when they shut off that dude's Twitter, like, first off, that's when I knew things were literally, <laughs> that, that's when I knew, that's when I knew things were fucked. When I went online and someone said they actually shut down his Twitter account. And I'm like, what does that take? What, what does it take for that to happen? But then 
when I haven't heard anything. I don't know anything that's going on other than they say like he's they asked for a parade. They're not giving him a parade. Something, but we don't know because he's not firing off angry tweets. So I realize at the end of the day, Twitter holds the power of the people. But that, I mean, listen, I don't want to go. They could have shut him off way long ago, man. They fucking did well, it. Well, we don't have to get political. I mean, don't, yeah, I, we don't uh, have I'm to get political about I'm gonna, anything. I'm going to say this last thing. But here, this is a kind of a life in the day of me, right? So if Benny said that, it's not necessarily that I believe this. I'd say, but Benny, where do you stand on the First Amendment and free speech? Right. Yep. You might not agree with what he's saying, but you want to shut someone off because you don't agree with them. Everyone's shutting someone off because they don't agree with them, right? So until if you want, if the person you don't like it shut off, you're all for it. But if yep. someone you like it shut off, you're totally against it. And that's where we are as, as a Well, that's so- why I'm like a libertarian. I want to go like live in the woods by myself, not surrounded by anybody. <laughs> oh and like don't come you would on not my land, last I'll a fucking, fucking shoot you. In the woods, Ben. No way. <laughs> um, but so that's, that's, that's how, that's how uh, like my daily, you know, yeah. we, we do politics the first half hour and then entertainment the second half hour. But, that's kind of like we're and I, you know, I didn't necessarily sign up for what I'm doing. I love traveling. I love learning from other people. I love interviewing people. But this is where the job has shifted to. Right. And I've got to shift with the job. So I'm learning. I'm learning from my co-hosts all the time. And uh, I think that's what you have to do. You have to be open, be willing to absorb some of these comments, whether you agree with it or not. You know, you have to you have to look at your comments like your clothes, you know, like this was so cool for five years. I, I don't like it anymore. I don't wear it anymore. You have to have your thoughts the same way as like you wearing clothes. You can't be dug in to how you felt in high school and you're 50. That that seems crazy, you know? That That is, you know, that's a really great way of putting it. And I'm just curious, as someone observing this who does have to get into politics or, you know, just talking to different people over time, in your opinion, why do you think people are so divided now? Like, what is it that's happening in our society that has made people you know, separate from each other and be on these teams? Well, again, I think the short form social media has a lot to do with it. You can't have a conversation and get to know somebody else and where they're coming from through 140 characters. Right. And without visual feedback. Yeah. Real time response. You're you're anonymous. You could say whatever. You're very bold. And what keyboard warriors, they're fucking keyboard. You would never, you would never say, like I said earlier, no one's ever came up to me and had a disagreement from what I've said on TV. Because that's a personal, then now you're in a whole different situation, right? Is he going to, how is he, Jeff, going to react in this situation? Is he going to say something mad? Is he going to be, you wouldn't do that. But over the keyboard, you could say whatever you want. The anonymity of it, you're you're God, right? You could say whatever you want to whoever you want. That's a huge problem. And two is people taking these sides and digging their heels in and don't want to be labeled as wrong. Or, man, my thinking is so idiotic that I'm not, I, I feel terrible about going back on what I said. So I'm just going to stick to what my guns and I'm never giving in. It's like, you have to be like, listen, man, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I think at that time, this is where I was coming from. And you could have that conversation like we are now. I didn't mean that guys, this is what I meant. You know, my wife had a bad day. It kind of rubbed off on me. I kind of spouted off. I didn't mean to do that. This is what I mean. Mm-hmm. that's a conversation that's human right that then now you're showing empathy towards another human or what they're going through or i might say i did this and one of my co-hosts would say i didn't grow up like that i didn't have that access of whatever it was and then i'm like wow i didn't even think about that i was really you know being arrogant in the way i talk i hate the word white privilege that's why i'm not using that word but that's the word you could put in right there 
and I have a whole nother thing of that. But uh, there is privilege. I am privileged, right? In in a lot of ways, and I'll say that. But I don't want to get too far down this politics. Well, do you, do you think yeah. no, J- JFK <laughs> ever thought to himself, "Forgive your enemies, but never forget their handles"? That sounds like a <laughs> war, like, sounds like an Eastern European war book. Or so actually, he, his real the real quote is "Forgive your enemies, but never forget their names," and that is a John F. Kennedy quote. But that now they have the, the handles because yeah, yeah. Th- now they're online. And it's like Jeff Schroeder twenty four. You know what I mean? Like the online fucking heckling sh- twenty three. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that you that's how people are so anonymous now that like you know them by their handles, but and their hate, and they can do whatever they want. Do you ever find yourself? Uh, I guess second guessing, especially in, in your position with with such a mouthpiece, that you have to like almost run through a list of possible uh, consequences before you say something. Yeah. Especially in a position where you're giving news and information that there's no gray area on for a lot of people, even though there is. But for a lot of people, you, what you say is going to have a literal meaning to them. And like you said, you're you're able to kind of let that you know, take that criticism as it comes, but is it influenced the way you present yourself? Absolutely. Like it's weird. I'm almost having a conversation with myself mm-hmm. while I'm talking. So I'm talking and then like if something comes up in my head and if it's remotely, like I have a question about it, I divert from like, don't say that word. Don't yeah. say that. You know, I don't know if that's offensive or not. And some of these words now that I would say regularly they're offensive or they come from somewhere offensive that I still don't even know. And I'll say it and they're like, you can't say that. And I'm like, what? So I, I don't want to, yeah. I don't, I can't randomly think like just yeah. being totally obscure. Right. Sure. So many things offend so many people nowadays. And, uh, and, and if you say one of those things, like we just talked for an hour and a half, almost two hours. I talked all about how I, all these great things about how I got where I am, but someone might just clip the word where I just said, I don't like that term white privilege. Yeah. Right. So that's the only thing that's gonna actually going to be the title of this episode. No. Two and, a half <laughs> and, you know, maybe I should explain myself no, a little shit. bit about that. So they don't. No, 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 no. Well, maybe I should explain myself. I don't like the term white privilege. <laughs> well, You're, no, you have the floor. See, That's going to be the tag. Right. But I think I don't like that term. I, I'll say I grew up perhaps privileged. I'm very privileged to travel. But to put everybody in a group, I don't like that. I don't like putting any race in a group white included i don't like segregating anybody i think that's a problem with what we're going through in america so i don't necessarily mean that i mean everything every single ethnicity everything every single sexuality i don't like putting people in that group that's the problem that's where the teams start and then you're like well you're not on our team so you're against us i'm not right i'm not i'm not on any team i'm not against any team i'm for mankind and for humanity for people and i think that's where our mind needs to start going instead of putting these labels which i hate on everything homophobic totally. racist trumper these are terrible white Sox fan <laughs> no but here's yeah. the thing i mean I, I, hate, I hate these labels i think that's a to go back to that i think that's a huge huge problem in america right now is that people take you could talk for three hours. They take this much and now you're labeled that person. It's like, okay, you know, that's right. a problem. 
well, everyone's consuming content that they choose based on what they want to hear from a certain person, you know, or it's, it's just a summation of the stuff you put on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram. I mean, there's you're not getting real human feedback from the people that you're judging, you know, in a lot of cases. We're lucky, the three of us, that we get to talk to a lot of the people that we read about or that we look up to, you know, and but that, but that's so rare for so many people. Everything is just what can you find on the Internet about them? What did they say today? What did they say yesterday? And it's obviously unfair across the board to judge any person based on what they said in 140 characters necessary. You know, nobody knows the full story. Ever. That's what sells. That's what sells. Don't you right. know the good of syntax course. is next to godliness, though, Siobhan? Like, I mean, you could you could see a lot by the use of a proper ellipsis. How many quotes is like in, in, in Benny's head? It's amazing. I have no idea. The it's, Rolodex in there, Benny. <laughs> <laughs> An unlimited reel. <laughs> I know only useless information. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I actually am a cornucopia of useless information. But if you ask me something like, "What's your social security number?" or like, "Oh, I'm calling it Verizon for two hours," I finally get someone, and they're like, "What's your four-digit password?" I'm like, "5150." 50. It's Van Halen. They're like, nah, you changed it. I'm like, no, I want to do that. I, it's always 5150. They're like, nah, man, you changed it. And like, I just want to fucking blow my goddamn Verizon fucking brains out. Verizon is one of your favorite rants almost no, every it's, time. No, it's just so true. They 2020 me every time and they have the power. It's just like Comcast. They can hang up on you and there's nothing you can fucking do. Like your cable doesn't go back on. Your internet doesn't go back on. You're still unplugged. What do you guys, how do you guys feel about like the feedback online? Do you guys get feedback negative feedback. Oh, nobody watches this. It's literally my mom <laughs> calling me and saying she doesn't like someone because they use a stupid term. Well, you yeah. gotta get some feedback, right? So, Even if from a guest or like, how do you guys deal with that? I think for the most part, um, just because of the show we have, where mostly we're talking to, you know, we're not ta- we're not really tackling a lot of controversial stuff. Um, people don't like uh, certain hosts for talking over certain guests. But uh, other than that, we don't really get a lot of <laughs> a lot of comments That's coming through. That's about our only negative feedback. <laughs> yeah. But no, but you know, I mean, on a side, we've all seen it in the music industry, though, especially. I mean, either with my own stuff or, I mean, I, I can't necessarily speak for our collective stuff. But, you know, other musician friends where I see, you can see public, you know, on Instagram or whatever, other people that comment. You know, let's say it's a violinist that played something and someone who has never played violin in their life will say some like scathing thing about the way this person played something or your your shit this is not any good and i'm just like i look at that and i'm like i mean what where did this come from why do you have so much anger directed towards this person about something that they've put on the internet that you don't know anything about projection it's projection. Uh, well, of course there, it's a you know complicated psychology i'm sure but you know I, I think at least for me and from other people that i've talked to a lot of it is just you you have to just keep it in perspective you know you can't take any of that stuff Obviously, accept criticism and try and understand what people are saying about things. See if there's any constructive criticism. But destructive criticism, I think, is d- doesn't yeah, take it's you anywhere. A new way to emotionally cut yourself and others. Yeah. yeah, I think you. We're all emotionally mature enough to like be able to realize that if someone is absolutely flipping the fuck out because of our stupid podcast, it's more of a reflection on them than it is on us. So we never in our even like the music we do Lost Symphony doesn't really have many haters because we're pretty niche type of music and for for our niche we do pretty well. Um, but there's definitely people that are very dug into their opinions and they've they've mm-hmm. let us know that they don't like something and I think for us it's like oh cool well good it'd be weird if everyone liked us <laughs> you know it's like yeah I don't think we're we're the type of people that would you know we're not putting ourselves out there our 
our personalities and our ourselves like 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 you may have done in, in reality tv where people get to see your emotions and stuff like that so we're far enough removed um that that it, it is what it is i don't want to be a part of any club that'll have me as a member oh you're full of them tonight <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, we got like 10 minutes left. Uh, I actually, I did, I had a question I wanted to ask from the last episode. Uh, Jeff, you said that like Home Depot is your jam now. Like, what are you doing? Like, the, oh. this is like, this is like, this is like prime. This is prime. Like, like, and people recognizing you over your, your, your mask. But I can tell you why it's, it's, it's those beautiful blues, man. Like, and, and those, those nice eyebrows and the salt and pepper going on. <laughs> like, bro, you need like, you got the Spinderella going on in between. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, everyone knows you. No, like, I think it, I think it's a lot of my voice. Like the way I talk, you mentioned, I still talk the same. When Chicago, the bears, my voice. And I'm just like, Hey, where's uh, the filters, you know, in Home Depot. And they're like, Hey, I remember that guy. So I think it's like a loud voice. I think a lot of people recognize, but I, I'm not even kidding. So this is why I'm, I've been working all weekend since Friday to today. I've been to Home Depot, no joke, maybe five times in the last three days. I just did uh, like our mud room. I, I took um, the closet doors off and I made it, I put like um, shiplap up and down the walls. And then I took like a big board, made a bench in there with two by fours. And I also painted the bathroom next to it. So I took that whole area and I just redid the whole thing. So. Are you a big DIY guy? You know, I tried to be, I, I'd like taking on projects and stuff. And uh, so I, I'm not like, I'm not like that guy, you know, I can't like host a show and be like, Hey, this is a two by four. And you hammer it into, I don't know all that stuff. I have to watch YouTube videos. And then, like I said, you can do anything <laughs> if you watch a YouTube video. You know, my, my, my fiance is going to watch this. And the only thing she's going to take from the whole thing is like, why didn't you paint the closet? <laughs> I, I like it. You don't like doing like hands on. No, I, I like doing all that stuff when I have time. Like, like, you know what I mean? And I want a better house, but like there are things where you leverage your strength and like, I'm good at some things, but like I'm sitting here down here working <laughs> on a mix or talking to these guys. Like, no, I don't want to be doing like, I mean, I, I love doing some things, but it's just like, you can only focus on so much. So yeah. no, I don't want to paint a closet. It's not my aspiration in life, but I congratulate you on redoing your rooms. I'm just saying that Cindy, the only thing she'll, I'll be like, Hey, you don't, you don't listen to this podcast. And she'll be like that Jeff guy. He was really pretty. I totally got it about the eyes thing over the mask. He has a loud voice, but you know what? Why didn't you do that? Like, why don't you take on a room? You have, do you have a project? I have and the then opposite I'll just, problem. I'll flip out. She'll just trigger me by saying, "Do you have a project? Like, That's, I do. I have a project. I have seven thousand projects. Just none of them. Yeah, are we need. Any we need to those. rent Brock. Is what we need. I was gonna say, my <laughs> husband's like you. Yeah, it's to say I have to talk him down from his projects. It's like, what can I fix next? He's got to like build out this whole studio, and then he's got to like build a floor, and he's got to build a closet. You can come to like, Boston. And you can build us. You yeah. can build us stuff. No, it's great. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. I, I, and it's the same. It's all you know DIY learning from YouTube. Like anything that he like, he can build. He built this in entire studio desk and he's never done woodworking before you know and it's just like he will study anything and learn it you know and just like do it and it's that's incredible he's like the lawnmower man he just like sits there <laughs> on the weekend and it was like and it's just flashing he's like i now know french <laughs> <laughs> i like this you get a satisfaction from it i like you know finishing a project i feel good about it yeah and you can see yeah you can physically see the the results of your work Whereas with music, sometimes it's a little more nebulous. I had a conversation <laughs> with someone recently because I built I built this room when I bought my house and all the treatment and everything. And I took took my dad and I worked for for 
months and it's tons and my friends like but don't you feel good that like you built it with your bare hands I'm like dude if i could have afforded to have someone do it in a weekend <laughs> in a heartbeat this was terrible it was awful I'm with you. measuring stuff and like and then my house isn't perfectly square that's a freaking nightmare like i would i would write a check in a heartbeat <laughs> <laughs> I like, especially having a house and doing things yourself. It's, it's different, like an apartment. I'm like, what? I'm not fixing. I don't mind decorating, dude. Like, look at all this. Like all my, my pictures are all like neat and like perfectly arranged. And like, I could put stuff in places, but I don't want to like paint and shellac and sand things down. And then like have to nail things in too hard, like to make things structurally sound like that just sounds way above my page. That's what I just did all weekend. I shellac too. I did everything. Did you use any cock? <laughs> Should we go down that way? Should we end with that? <laughs> We're sorry. Snapple, the best stuff on earth. I like it. I feel like I've been saying that a lot in the last few episodes. Just apologizing <laughs> profusely for I'd say the fact, you the fact edit, that you're here. You edit that and be like, Benny says his line, and then you just stop the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> dropping I usually some just, sound, I, dropping some metal from Benny, and that's it. No, I usually cut it and put crickets after he says something. <laughs> it works a lot better. Or you can do the Tyler Durden and just put like, like one f- like one frame of a dick, and then boom. I'll put I'll put dicks all over you this entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> just float them all around his window on this. As, as we as we bring Jeff's credibility down minute by minute, <laughs> second by like second. <laughs> it's not that high up, anyways, guys. <laughs> There's not much you can't go. Certainly for. not as high up as me. <laughs> you were high up at the beginning of this episode. I don't even know where you're at now. Hey, how's Brian, Benny? Just he's, he's good. He's like he's so happy to be a dad and just just basically say I to to have other humans to give him reasons not to do things. <laughs> he's gonna be the he's the best dad at that. Huh? Oh yeah, dude. He's living. But you know what? So I've actually seen I, I've I've reveled in this concept that he now has two boys. And one of them is definitely going to be a lot like me. And he's going to drive Brian crazy so hard. <laughs> but then the other one kind of has like some of his like attitude. So he's going to give like, so with Haley, like my um, fiance's You're talking daughter, about your brother, right, Ben? They have, they have the same attitude. Yeah. So when they give it to each other, they both set each other off. But it's like they don't realize that they're doing the exact same thing to each other. I can't wait till Brian has that happen, but then also has to fight someone and then call me and be like, what would you do in this situation? And I get to like, <laughs> Be the cool one. This is Brian Goodman, the other half of the Lost Symphony writing team, by the way. Yeah, the yeah. one that that doesn't matter as much. <laughs> you guys are the same, man. You guys are the same. Anne Marie Cronin's good- like, Anne Marie's going to be so happy that I literally just shit all over Brian. She's like, oh, good for you. I love a good Ben and Brian meltdown. Every time I've been in Boston, there's always been some monumental meltdown between the two of you. And Ask, it's just you know like, what? why have, is this not on film? We have Paul coming back. We have Paul coming. And I want to tell you that Paul has the best Brian meltdown stories ever. Literally the best Brian meltdown stories. We have, we have, let's just put that in the I love how it's only docket. a Brian meltdown. Were you oh, not no, a part I of this? I melt down too, but, but Paul and I get along fine. Like we've gone along fine. Like really, we do. We've learned how to like to deal with each other's neurosis. Like Brian, like no, he does not. Like he, like Brian loves Paul, and Paul does enjoy Brian from a distance. Like there's no question about it. But like, does he want to be in a camper with him for two days? Like I know how to like keep Paul happy enough where he doesn't want to like stab me in the eye socket. Yeah, you, you and Brian have the same dynamic for when I met you guys. You guys. Should, that's my, <laughs> 
film an episode you guys just going at each other for an hour or two. Yeah, I'm sure I have right. GoPro footage of that somewhere. <laughs> so I one of one of the Lost Symphony sessions. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Jeff, we're uh, we're coming up on the end of it, man. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. This is the end. Yeah. <laughs> it flew by. I mean, I hope it flew end. by for you. It flew by yeah. for me. <laughs> it flew by. Yeah, it did. The second the second half hour, the second hour. Well, I I want to say thank you for coming <laughs> on, dude, because like we we really, you know, I I've known you said 9 years. I've known you for 9 years. I I met you completely by happenstance because my friend serendipitously dragged me to New York like <laughs> under cloak and dagger. And then next thing I know, I'm on like a fisher boat, uh, you know, like with albino lobsters eating seafood with you and taking shots. And like, you know, we've we've hung out a bunch since we got to see this, the Panther in L.A., which is an experience by itself, you know, and um, you've always treated me like family. And, you know, when I've met Jordan, she's always been just lovely to me. So I just want to say thanks for coming on the show because I know people give a fuck about a lot of the things that you do. And I've never known you for those things. Like, I had to be actually, like, again, uh, recruited for Big Brother and forced, subjected to watch the show because I'm like, I don't want to see Jeff this way. Like, I know Jeff in person. Like, he's a really cool dude that likes, the, like, my, his Portillo is the same way that I do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but I, I really appreciate how much that you've also evolved in the sense that you appreciate the production side of things, uh, the directorial side of things, acknowledging how important everything from lighting to makeup um, is to how the success of what you're doing. And that's something that I think our listeners really should you know extrapolate from this, these episodes is how important knowing how to do that stuff and certainly the DIY culture, how important being uh, learned in all these things and, and, and cognizant of how important these things are to the success of your idea getting across to people in a meaningful way. Damn, that was a great synopsis of the <laughs> uh, Yeah, Ben, you're great at the synopsis. I got to hand it to you. Jerry of all Springer the random shit well. that you spewed throughout this episode, that was like first class. Dude, that w I mean, Benny, you're going out on a high note. We should just end it now, man. Yeah. I, I'm just going to say- And wait, ladies and gentlemen, you. you've been 2020. Thank you, Jeff Schroeder. Thank you, guys. It's been it's been a pleasure. And honestly, getting to know all you guys, it's been uh, it's been fun. We hope you enjoyed this episode of 2020. Please go to 2020-d.com for more episodes, merchandise, and all sorts of fun stuff. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. We get new ones out every Wednesday and Sunday night at 9 p.m. This week's throwback clip is from episode 33 featuring the one and only Satchel of Steel Panther. Check it out. Oh, there's a video of me, like Kelly Clarkson is at our show, and I just look at her and I say... I want to fuck your face. And she's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, fuck my face. Like, fuck my face. I know you can do it. <laughs> when you're that confident, like, like the audience, you know, that I think that's a good lesson for anybody in any band. Like, like whenever you're playing new music, you just got to go, you're going to fucking love this. And if you don't, I'm going to kick you in the balls, motherfucker. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses 
all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts.